Yo, what's good, man? How's it going? I'm doing good, brother. I'm excited for this, man. Me as well, man. Uh, so this one, I think we should give a little bit of context because this episode will be a little bit different than some of our, our some of the other episodes that we've done. So earlier this week, I hit you up and I was like, hey, I think we should do some more audio content, but tailor it specifically to what's happening in AI. Over the last, I said like several months, I've noticed like you definitely have just like dove head on into the world. You always drop in knowledge in our group chats. Um, and so I feel like there's just so much to unpack uh, in such an ever-evolving space, or at least right now. Um, and I think unlike, you know, crypto, what's happening in crypto and Web3, I think you and I both wholeheartedly agree, like, what's happening in AI is really transformational um, and yeah. has huge implications uh, beyond what is even able to be articulated today. And so I'm excited for us to start this new series uh, where we kind of just chase our curiosity in the world of AI. So... Without further ado, let's hop straight into it. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited, brother, for this one, man. Uh, and for the listeners out there, uh, we're really going to make this make sense. And our goal is to pique your curiosity. So hopefully we do that, give us feedback. But let's start with a company, man, in the space that is uh, really just doing the damn thing. And I feel like they're actually powering a lot of the AI technology uh, in the background, but people are unaware. And that company is Hugging Face. Um, and so Hugging Face, uh, they originally started off in 2016, trying to be an AI chatbot similar to ChatGPT for teenagers. Um, mm. I want to say it was 2018. They ended up pivoting, um, you know, uh, to, to more of like democratizing machine learning, uh, specifically, you know, when it comes to models, data sets, and computing power. And so just to give a little context on where they are today, um, they literally have over 100,000 companies and organizations using them today. Uh, companies that are, you know, taking advantage of their platform are, you know, Meta, Google, Microsoft, as you know, has been in, 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 in the news lately as well. And between those three companies alone, you can literally go to Hugging Face. I, I want to show people this because like. Yeah, let's pull it up. Yeah, you you really you really got to see this to 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 believe it is if you go to Hugging Face, literally there are hundreds of thousands of open source models that anybody anybody out there you can take advantage of and build on top of. And so, say for example, like OpenAI, here's their old GP two model that literally you can come over here. Hugging Face makes it super easy for if you're a dev to create an API and start to use it. Or if you're a non-technical person, they have this thing called spaces in which you can create a new space and it allows you to like set up a demo. I can show you an example of like one that I created, um, you know, uh, using OpenAI's past technology to identify if something is written by AI or not, right? But this is the beauty of Hugging Face. You no longer have to start from zero. And the other beautiful thing about Hugging Face as well is they're actually profitable which I know wow. that we've been talking a lot, you know, about like what is going to be the mold, what is going to be the business, but not to belabor the point, this is a player that people need to be paying attention to. So real quick, before we move on to the next one, how did, how do they actually generate revenue? So you said they're profitable. So, and I yeah. think they raised, you mentioned what 160 million at a $2 billion valuation. So they must be yeah. generating some, they must be generating some serious cash. Yeah. So great question. So, um, 
the platform is free to use. And so um, anybody can go on there, use the models, take advantage of the data sets, et cetera, et cetera. But where Hugging Face makes its money is when it comes to computing. And so traditionally in machine learning, it, like, it takes months on end to train these machine learning models. It takes a lot, you know, extensive engineering knowledge to be able to set up the servers in the backend infrastructure. They mm -hmm. abstract all that away and do it for you. And then they charge, uh, I want to say, yeah, six cents per hour if you're using their endpoint. And so it's pretty wow. affordable. Wow. Yeah, that is really affordable. Wow, that's an incredible company. I hadn't I hadn't heard of them before before you dropped it in the group chat. So as always, appreciate you sharing uh, sharing that valuable gem right there. But most importantly, like you said, people who are non technical could take advantage of it. And a hundred percent. That's what we're all about. Trying to share that technology that anybody can kind of adopt and, uh, and and leverage it to transform whatever workflow they need to do. A hundred percent. What's our next story, man? All right, this one is about Google, right? Uh, is that the next mm. one that we mentioned? Okay, so mm. I came across this article. Let me share my screen. Uh, I'm not as I'm not as quick to pull it up as you, man. You got you got the the settings down fact. So I I came across this uh, this article about Google announcing something called Music ML. So it's my understanding. I think you you actually updated our docs. I appreciate this little tidbit that this is built off of their Magenta project that was actually released back in 2016. So it's actually been out for a while, but this new AI essentially is able to generate minute loans, uh, musical pieces from text prompts. So similar to how like Dali is able or stable diffusion, some of these other AI models are able to generate, you know, art um, or videos or any, you know, artistic content based on written text. Uh, Music ML is able to actually create like musical pieces um, mm -hmm. using, you know, using that same format. And so basically through, you know, text descriptions, you can, you know, prescribe a genre, a vibe, or even specific instruments. Uh, and Music ML has the ability to compose full songs. Um, Let me make pretty, sure I'm, I'm understanding this correctly. So when you say music, obviously there's the lyrics. Then there's yep. like, you know, the beat and, you know, all that. You're, it, 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 it does all of that or is it just like one part? No, it can actually do all of it. Um, it even has no. the ability to mimic human vocals, which is pretty insane. It still has a little bit of work to do there, but I mean, it, it's pretty remarkable. They have some samples. We'll drop the link in the description for sure, but they have some sample music that you can listen to, and it's pretty good. Um, and w one one feature that I actually found really interesting was was one called Story Mode, this thing called Story Mode, hmm. where basically you have the ability to the way I would describe it is kind of slice up the song based on different text descriptions. So as you can kind of see in this example, you can start a song off saying, Hey, started off with electronical music for a video game for the first 15 seconds. And then, and the, you know, starting at 15 seconds onward to 30 seconds, you know, add meditation. Yo, that's cool. And then change the next and the next. And so you can really start to, as you can see, compose a whole body of, of music, just literally using written text. But beyond that, what's even more impressive about what Google is doing, and I haven't seen this when I looked at a couple other folks in the space who have been working on something similar, you can actually input music as well. So you can upload a catalog of music or a body of music that maybe you've already created, that's already tailored to your style of how you mix and make music or music that you already like. And mm. Music ML is then able to take that and then compose new music following that same melody or following um, similar characteristics from the music that you uploaded. And so it's pretty impressive. Um, 
Let me you let know, me add something there because what you just spoke on is very important for people to understand about these large language models and it's fine tuning. And so the beauty of fine tuning is exactly what, what Dre just said. You can feed it data of what you want that outcome or output to be. And so yep. it's really easy because it's literally, if you go to a Google sheet, create two columns, one column being like the prompt, such as electric song played in a video game. And then the next column being uh, audio file of what that potentially could look like. If you train your, your, this AI model on that enough, guess what? It's going to be able to produce the results that you want. And so for all our listeners, you know, listening, definitely pay attention to this because I feel like a lot of people just think, you know, they can use these models out of the box and that's good enough. But if you're going to want to build a competitive advantage in a differentiated product, it's no longer going to be about the features. It's going to be about your data set. Absolutely. And, and really what I started thinking about as I was reading, reading this article, but also kind of looking at the white paper about music ML is really just like the impact. And so I didn't even mm -hmm. realize this until I started going deeper of just how much new music gets created every single day, every single year. And so to put it in perspective, Spotify's uh, head of music came out and said and confirmed that 60,000 new tracks get uploaded to Spotify every single day. And so that totals up in one year to be 22 million tracks uploaded in a single year. That's just to Spotify. And so if, and they're one of the biggest players. So just looking at them as a, as, as a proxy, it's a lot of music. And so it obviously like a tool like this obviously has massive, uh, massive impact, you know, if it were to be released, but obviously there's a lot of risk to it as well. And so I think the way Google is kind of handling it is, is being very slow and methodical. Um, and so mm -hmm. we'll see like what it, you know, how it, how it, you know, how it ends up playing out. But I think like this, this type of technology obviously has massive, massive, massive um, impact and considering how much music is consumed. Not a hundred percent on the impact piece of it. And just, I want to, uh, you know, touch a little bit on, on, on the risk. One of the things that I've been paying attention to is what Congress is going to do when it comes to the regulation of copyright, you know, when it comes to AI. A lot of these AI, you know, machine learning models, they're taking advantage of, you know, what is quote unquote free content from YouTube um, and other platforms like that. But there are still copyright laws, you know, that these artists can, you know, take event, you know, that are applied to these artists. And so that's definitely going to be a risk to like understand because it potentially could backfire. But it's, I know it's something that Congress is, you know, actively discussing right now. So cool. What's the next definitely. story, man? All right, so the next one, was it the Hollywood one? Did you want to touch on that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead and dive into that one, man. Okay, let me show that one. Okay, this, so this is interesting. This one was very interesting, actually. So I came across this article about how a couple special effect um, special effects artists in Hollywood are actually starting to use NVIDIA's um, streaming software to edit uh, movies uh, in post-production. And so Nvidia has a streaming a streaming software that's been out for a little bit a little bit of time now, mainly used for video conferencing. And basically, it has this this feature called eye contact that uses AI to simulate what your eyes would look at if you were actually looking at the camera. So I don't know about you, but like I do a lot of video calls all the time, like most people these days who are working remotely. And it's hard to actually look directly at the camera, right? Like especially when you're trying to look at a person who's on screen. And so the intent behind this technology is to help people who are working remotely, who are doing, you know, video calls, whether it's telemedicine, whatever it may be, to just have more human eye-to-eye -eye contact as if they were um, 
in person. Mm. And so these these uh, special effects specialists are starting to leverage this technology to use it for post production. So that, like as you can see in this example here, this this um, this actor from this movie, uh, No Country for Old Man. Maybe in this scene, he was actually looking at the the other character, but using this AI, it's actually helping him to look directly at the camera. And so you can just imagine, like, as an actor or as an editor, this can help save a tremendous amount of time in post-production. And so, again, I'm always just heavily, heavily interested in, like, how can we take this technology and apply it to areas um, that we hadn't, that were even, you know, maybe you know, heavily manual before, or just was just really difficult to do. And so, you know, leveraging mm. it for just these quick post-production edits seemed to be really useful. And so um, I'm excited to see like how this technology continues to transform Hollywood. But right now, at least on the post-production, it seems to show some promising signs. Yeah. It's, it's something uh, I'm curious about. Um, and I don't know if you have the answer for is, is this a technology that NVIDIA makes available um, for like the lay person who may not be deep into like, you know, the machine learning space, or is this like an API that they have to take advantage of? Yeah. So actually this feature is, is built directly into a streaming, a video um, streaming software that they have. So anyone who's <laughs> using the video streaming software has access to this feature. So what this special effect artist did is basically stream his video through that system in some way and then is able to leverage that feature. And so I don't think NVIDIA has, has necessarily have abstracted this feature in a way where a developer or anybody can come along and just use it in like how, you know, OpenAI has necessarily done it with their APIs. But hopefully as NVIDIA sees, you know, how Hollywood is using it, how people want to use it outside of just video conferencing, hopefully that's something they do make more, more readily available. Yeah, now that, that would be dope because... I'm just thinking Absolutely. about like the editing cost and the editing time. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's expensive. It'd be very productive. Cool. Let's dive into some cheat codes, man. Like, so people can walk away ready to take action. All right, Beth, what's, which one you want to start with? I have one. Uh, let's, it... I'll, I'll go ahead and kick us off real quick um, with, with build space. Cause I think this is a, this is another one of those cheat codes that people really should be aware of as well. So BuildSpace is essentially uh, this community and e-learning platform uh, consisting of over 125,000, uh, you know, builders. Um, and literally all their, all their courses are, are here for free. So you can go to buildspace.so. Um, you'll literally find all these courses here uh, covering AI, crypto, you name it. And they recently raised $10 million from Adreesan Horowitz uh, continue to uh, continue building out the platform. But the cool thing about this is if you're someone out there that's, you know, sitting on the sidelines and you've been curious about like, hey, how can I build my own like, you know, chat GPT? How can I build my own Linza? Like they they literally break the content down in such a way to where you build it. You literally build it in a weekend. That's the crazy wow. part about this. And so just to kind of quickly show y'all, uh, you know, what what that looks like is. When I was learning how to build, you know, with the OpenAI, you know, uh, API, it literally took me two days. And their content is very thorough. It talks about how to access it, how to, you know, prompt it. And I kid you not, with me being somebody that's not a traditional software engineer, I was able to go through this relatively quickly, but also start to teach other people that demonstrated that, like, oh, shit, Brylin knows what he's talking about here. So I definitely recommend this tool for anybody out there. 
Wow, that's incredible. And in a weekend, I mean, like you can literally just lock yourself, lock yourself in your room, <laughs> and on a Friday night, and come out Sunday with a with a, a product and launch it on on product hunt on Monday. Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Have your first user interviews Tuesday afternoon. Like that's crazy. That's crazy. A hundred. No, a hundred percent. And so. All that, all that to say, if you don't sit on the sideline when it comes to the say stuff, there are tools that are free that are readily available for you to take advantage advantage of. And the cool thing about Build Space, I want to you know talk about this too. They're profitable. They're profitable, wow. and it's free. Wow. That's crazy. These companies are creating profitable business models and giving away a product. That that in and of itself can uh, needs to be studied because I think uh, his, historically free has always meant like no revenue and that's not necessarily the approach that a lot of these ai companies are taking so kudos yep. kudos to them for sure yeah what's our uh, our next one yeah so wrapping it up real quick i came across this one and this one was super interesting because uh, a really a, a good friend of mine was uh training for a marathon last year um and i know like he he was mentioning to me that at the time that he was starting he didn't know really know where to start he had to like go to Google and like try to come up mm. with a workout plan. So when I came across this article um, from the MIT Technology Review, I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. So I dove into it and started to learn like how the fitness community is leveraging chat GPT to create workout plans. And so um, in this one particular example, this, um, the writer of this article was getting ready to prepare for an upcoming marathon. And so she decided to turn to G- chat GPT to kind of help her craft like a workout plan. So like a 16 week mm. workout plan. And so, you know, historically when you're trying to prepare for like a marathon, you want to kind of, you know, gradually work your way up, you know, to, to being able to run at, at a, you know, at a long distance and you kind of want to end the the training at being able to run your furthest distance, um, which is usually like around 20 miles. And so there are just like guiding principles around like a marathon that if you just do a little bit of research, you kind of know. And so this, this person who wrote this article did that, and decided to try to use chat GPT and kind of found out that it has some gaps in it as, as we, as we both know. Um, okay. And so for example, as I mentioned, traditionally, if you're training, you want to do your longest distance towards the end. So you want to try to run 20 miles towards the end of your week, your cycle weeks of training. The, the maximum amount that chat GPT had recommended was only 10 miles. And so chat GPT was gonna have actually no marathon. <laughs> It was not going to have you ready at all. So basically, ChatGPT was kind of providing some information that would have had this person ill ill prepared had they just simply relied on that. And so you and I have talked about this before about like how you got to trust but verify, right? Like this technology mm-hmm. isn't quite at that point yet where you can 100% just kind of roll with it. You kind of still got to do your own due diligence. And so in a couple of different scenarios, she even ran another scenario where she created a separate chat, a separate conversation on ChatGPT and ask it the same question. I got a completely different answer. Um, and so again, you start to just find some inconsistencies in how the tool is used. But nevertheless, my biggest takeaway from this is that like we're still early in this cycle of technology and to to rely on it uh, for certain information, particularly like health and legal information, right? Or financial information. We got to kind of be cautious around relying on these tools at this moment in time completely for that. But I do believe like it is a good thing that people are starting to use it and at least test how these systems can be leveraged because the only way it can get better is if people actually use it, right? Like you have to train these models. You have to actually 
try to push them to these push them to these limits in order to really actually improve it. Otherwise, you you won't make any progress. And so, I think right now people should be leveraging Chat GPT to really help more so with creativity in the process and not really as a way to kind of lead the process. And so, I think if you kind of approach it in that way, then it's more like a companion um, and a complement to like your own diligence and your own research and your own process. Um, and I think that through that lens is really exciting. Um, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm interested to kind of see how the fitness industry continues to, to take it. And, and, you know, last comment I'll say, some people have actually been following the chat GPT workouts and have been loving them. Right. So maybe mm. it's good for some things and not others. Right. Somebody said they, they did it for like a strength, a strength workout and it gave them a plan of squats and deadlifts and all different type of roles and things. And they've been following it for several weeks and actually seeing results. And so, um, Again, it's all about, you know, your experience and, again, being able to take the information you get from it and cross-reference it to make sure that it's actually beneficial for you. So no, that's, you, it. You, that's you, it on my side. You said something that people need to really walk away and really just burn it into their brains, which is trust but verify. That is yep. so important when it comes to any of these technologies that we've talked today that because at the end of the day, they're not authoritative. They're meant, they're meant to, you know, hopefully get you off the ground so you don't have to start from zero, but there is a little bit of work, although that yep. work does look a little bit differently, but no, nah, this Absolutely. was good, man. Likewise, likewise, bro. Well, I'll see you on the next week, man. Hey, I'm excited, brother. Stay prosperous.